This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Good morning. Welcome to RSCC. Hey, let's give the worship team a round of applause. That was awesome. Hey, if this is your first time with us, if you're just hanging out with us, haven't been for a while, welcome back or welcome to RSCC. It is awesome to have you. We are not in the Christmas series. We just got this up a little early. I'm going to hold off a couple more weeks. We got to finish this book of James. But this week uh, we had some volunteers that came and helped and volunteered to do all this. And I was here and the only job they had me do was hold the tree up so they could put the base on. Like I didn't do very good at it. So like none of this was my idea. But we just give them a round of applause too. We don't have to name them, but it looks good. It, it feels good in here. And uh, today I'm, I'm excited to uh, kind of just get into this and what we're going to talk about. And, and we're in this series called Paparazzi, and it's just a fun, a fun name that we give the series for the book of James. And we're looking at the book of James, and we're two, we're two weeks away from the end. We're in chapter 5 today, if you got your Bible, so we'll be there. And, and we've talked about a lot of things. We can sum it up in this. If you have a faith, don't just talk about it. Show me. Show me with action. Show me with, with, with your, your action. Show me that by how you treat people. Show me how you love people. That, that's what James says. all about showing us that you have faith. And, and today, we're going to talk about this. And, and today is going to be, uh, it's a little difficult to talk, not difficult to talk about, difficult to apply. It, it's not fun. It, it's not always fun to preach about because there's gonna, it, it's going to hit home for some people in this room, some people listening online. This is going to be a, a real issue that they're in the middle of and the advice that James gives may not be the advice you want, but maybe the best advice you can receive in the middle of the season that you're in right now. And, and so with my job, I, I get to work with people and sometimes that's the best thing about my job and sometimes that's the worst thing about my job. Uh, but I, I love working with people and, and when you work with people, you, you eventually start to realize certain things about people is that though we're all different and have some differences, there's a very, uh, very, very many of us have very similar uh, type of mindsets or we have similar things about us. And one thing that we have similar about us is this, we're not very patient. So how many of you are sitting next to someone who isn't very patient, right? Like, raise your hand if you're sitting next to someone who's not patient. Not you, right? right? So we all know someone who's not very patient. You're not very patient most likely. I'm not very patient. And if you ask the person next to you if they're patient, if they're honest and they were like done dusting off their halo, they're going to say, you know, right, you know what, I'm not very patient. And there's one place in life that proves this to be true. And it's on an elevator, right? Stick with me. On the elevator. So you, you and it's specific, very specifically one area on an elevator, and I'm going to show you the picture here in just a second. This button right here, door close button on an elevator. So you know what happens? You hop on an elevator. What's the first thing you do? You hit, you hit the, like, the little floor you're going to. So like I'm going to floor three, so you hit that button. And then the next thing you do is you hit the door close button, right? And, and whether you hit it or someone else hits it, you hit that door close button and you hit it so fast. As a matter of fact, if you go to most elevators, the most worn out button is this button right here, the door close button. Do you know the average elevator in America closes in three seconds? Three seconds it takes those doors to close, right? And in those three seconds, we can't wait. And what do we do? We hit the button. But did you know that the button doesn't actually work? <laughs> do you know that? It's designed that way. 
It's designed actually for only emergency situations. So most elevators that you ever step on and, and try to hit this button, it does not work. That the elevator's already on a timer, right? And the timer has not to do with, it has to do with when was the last person entered through the elevator, right? And, and this button is really a placebo effect. And why it's there is it gives us the illusion that we're in control because we don't like to wait. And, and if you ever go in an elevator, next time you go in an elevator, you're going to be thinking, can I, can I wait for these three and a half seconds? Or do I have to press this button? That doesn't work anyways, right? And, and it shows something about us that we don't like to wait. Waiting is one of the worst things in the world, right? It, it, waiting's awful. No one likes to wait. No one, no one likes waiting. And, and we don't like waiting. And a lot of it is, like, if you're a millennial, like, we don't like waiting because we, we're, we're in this technological world, right? If you ever want to see a millennial freak out, watch them watch wait for the Wi-Fi to connect. Like, they freak out, right? And I say, if you want to watch someone older generation freak out, watch how long, watch them when it takes too long to get their food. Like, we don't like waiting, right? We don't like waiting in traffic. We don't like waiting for anything. We don't like waiting, for, you know, for Wi-Fi. We don't like waiting on commercials. We don't like waiting. And when we're, when we're waiting and we're waiting, we're waiting, we lose our patience. Why do we lose our patience? Well, the simple answer is we lose our patience because things aren't going the way we want them to. We're, we aren't getting what we want when we want it. So we lose our patience. With your kids, you lose your patience because you tell them to do something and they don't do it on your timetable. So you lose your patience. You're with your spouse and they ask you to do something and you don't do it on their timetable. They lose their patience. You're in traffic and traffic's not moving the way you want it to. So you lose your patience. You decide you're going to spend a nice little Saturday in Florence, you know, Kentucky, and you get to the traffic lights and the world's longest traffic lights, and, and you lose your patience sitting in traffic because the traffic lights take too long, right? We don't like to wait. Right? Waiting is the worst. No one likes to wait. Anybody like to wait? No. No one likes it. But there's certain areas, and one area in our life where we specifically don't like to wait, especially if you're a Christian, especially if you're follow, you know, a follower of Christ. And where the area is, is nobody likes to wait on God. Nobody likes to wait on God. Nobody likes to wait in general, but especially when it comes to God. And right now, there's some of you are in this season of waiting. You're in this waiting. And you pray, and you're like, hey, God, like, I need this to happen. I want this to happen. And you pray for something. It's a burden. It's a struggle. It's something you're going through, and you're praying. And you're like, God, do you even hear me? Do you even care? Does this prayer even matter to you? God, I, I, I've been praying that I'm no longer single for years, but I'm still single. God, I, I've been praying for my loved one who has this diagnosis, God, and we're just waiting for you to answer. I'm praying for myself. I went to the doctor and I got a diagnosis. God, are you going to answer my prayer? God, you know, we've been wanting kids forever. Are, are, you, are you listening? Are, what are you doing, God? And, and you're just waiting and you're waiting. And some of you right now may be in a season where you come in here you have a burden, you have a struggle, you have something going on in your life, and, and you're, you're praying to God, and you want God to answer. And in the middle of this waiting, you're called to be patient in the struggle. You're called to be patient. And that's where the Christians are in the book of James. James is writing to you. got to remember, James is writing to a group of Christians scattered out. He's their pastor. He loves them. He cares for them, and, and, and he wants the best for them, and, and he knows they're going through tough times. In the beginning of his letter, he says, listen, I know you're going through trials. He's like, you're going to have trials of many kinds, but w when you have these trials, he says, consider it great joy. And, and it's hard to understand. Why would we have joy in trials? Why would we have joy in struggles? He's like, listen, because God's not going to waste a struggle. 
God's not going to waste it. There's going to be something done in those struggles. You're going to, your faith is going to mature. Your faith is going to grow. If you allow God to work in these struggles, these struggles will not be wasted. So he writes that. He says, they're coming. Struggles are coming. T- tough times are coming. And, and then he writes this in chapter 5. I'm going to be verse 7 today. Here's what he says. And he's talking about struggles and, and being patient in the struggle. He says, be patient, then brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's, the Lord's coming is near. And he continues. He goes, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we, we, counted at, we count as blessed those who have, been, have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So these are the words that he writes to these Christians who are struggling in the face of persecution, in the face of being scattered out, in the face of facing maybe the worst struggles of their life. And here's what he says. The first thing he says, be patient. Now, I don't know if you're like me. But in the moment when I, when I'm not, when I don't have patience or I'm, up, I'm upset, the last thing I want someone to tell me to do is calm down and be patient, right? If I'm arguing with Whitney or something's happening at the house and she's like, be patient, that's a guaranteed way that I'm not going to be patient. So when I read these words, you maybe you're like me, James, you want me to be patient. Here's a guaranteed way I don't be patient. Tell me to be patient. But he says, listen, be patient. And this isn't tweetable advice. It, it's not, oh, hey, if you got it, you know, if you really want to do it, be patient, He's like, listen, I know you're going through some things. I know you don't like this season of waiting. I, I, I know you're waiting for God to come through. I know you're waiting for God to do something. I know you're waiting for an answer. I know you, you, you're struggling. I know you have burdens. I know people are mistreating you. I know things are hard. He's like, but I need you to really do this. And he's like pleading. He's like, I, I really need you to do this. Be patient. And no one likes to be told in the middle of a season of waiting to be patient. But he's like, Be patient. And it's not like, it's not like a, a parent telling a kid to be patient when they're waiting for something at like a, a, you know, an ice cream shop. It's like this pleading of love. He's like, listen, be patient. It's out of love. He's like, I know, I understand. He's like, it's, it's awful. I hate it. You hate the situation. I hate that you're going through, but be patient. And, and you know, patience is, is, is weird because you can't go watch a YouTube video and teach you how to be patient. You can't read a book and says, hey, this is how you become patient. You can't say three steps to become patient. That's not how it works. And how we want answers in our lives, especially when it comes to church, you know, people are like, hey, you know, I got, I got issues. Tell me three-step process I can apply at home and then forget it by next week. But give me a three-step process. Give me a four-step process. I need to save my marriage. Give me three steps. I'm going through something. Give me four steps. Like, we want the steps. And, and patience isn't like that. And, and really what's interesting about patience is the only way to grow in patience is what? To be put in a situation that requires patience. That's the only way to really grow in it, right? You can't, you can't, you can't watch a video on it because no one can teach you to be patient. It's something you have to learn in you to be patient. And, and in, in the situation that James is saying today, or the context, he's like, the situation that you're in that requires patience, that you're going to hate, is your burden, is your struggle. It's the thing that you're going through that you don't want to go through. In the middle of that, you need to grow in patience. And, and that Greek word for um, patience is a word that means long-tempered. 
And it's really interesting. Long-tempered. Lack of patience would kind of imply that you lose your temper quickly. Long-tempered is this idea that the season or trial that you're going to go through or are going through currently may last longer than you think. It, it may not be done as quickly as you want. And you may not get the answers. You may not get what you want as soon as you want it. So you, you're going to have to grow in patience and you're going to have to be long-tempered. And it's so hard because in the middle of a struggle, in the middle of pain, you want a timetable of like, okay, like, you know, when you get a surgery, they're like, hey, this is going to hurt for like three weeks, but after, this, after that three weeks, you're going to feel pretty good, right? Like, I can do that. Or like if they give you, you know, if you're going through something and you see an end of the light of the tunnel, you can usually get through it. When there's no light and there's no guaranteed answer, it's a lot harder. It's a lot more difficult. And James is like, like, you got to be long-tempered. You almost have to reset the way you think about this. You almost have to reset the mindset of how quickly you're going to get through this. And, and to kind of illustrate this, I, I want to use this image of a, a backpack. Notice I didn't call it a book bag because in school I didn't have too many books in it, so I didn't call it a book bag. But this backpack, and I just bought this recently, right? So I carry this to work with me, and, and I like this backpack. I don't care if you like it, but I like it, right? And, and in this, you know, you got right now, and, you know, you got some books, and, you, you know, I got my Bible, right? And you got another book, got some papers, not really sure what those are for. But I got this stuff, right? And, and, and in life, it's kind of like that. You're going through life, and you're carrying some stuff. And what's interesting about this bag is, there's only so much weight this bag can really carry, carry, right? And like your life, there's only so much you can handle, only so much you can go through. You only have so many hours in the day. You only have so much strength. You only have so much wisdom. You only have so much willpower to get through something. And just like this backpack, there's at some point, I, can, I would put something in here, and there's a certain point where this bag would rip, right? I got it for like 30 bucks on Amazon. It's probably not going to be able to hold a bunch of stuff. At some point, it's going to rip, or at some point, there's going to be a point where I no longer can carry this backpack. At some point in your life, there's going to be a load, and you're, we're going to call those loads, the load that you're carrying, a burden or a suffering or hard times. There's going to be at some point that you've got to carry a load, right? You've got to carry a burden, you've got to carry a suffering, you've got to carry a hard time. But there's only so much you can handle. And you have these burdens or loads, and these burdens can be good, and they can be good things like you get a new job, but with new jobs you get new expectations, more hours, longer drive. Um, the, it could be like you got the burden of you wanted to get pregnant, you get pregnant, you're like, oh my goodness, now I have to take care of this child for the rest of my life, right? Like, that's a great burden, but it's a burden nonetheless. And then there's bad burdens, and those weigh, those weigh a little bit more, and so, you know, you got the burden of a sickness here, or you got a burden of a loved one's sickness, you got a financial burden, you got an anxiety burden, you got an addiction burden, you got all these burdens, and each of us have a burden to carry, and like this bag, there's only so much we can carry, so you got these burdens, they keep piling up and keep piling up and keep piling up, and eventually you get to a point where the life becomes so heavy, the bag becomes so heavy, you ask yourself, can I continue? Can I really keep on going like this? And that's where these Christians find themselves, and maybe that's where you find yourself. It's heavy. And it's like, I don't know if I can keep carrying this anymore. And then what happens is after you're carrying those loads for such a long amount of time, the burdens, the struggles, then counselors and psychology will tell us there's some, two things that typically happen, and, and you guys know this, is the fight or flight. Right? And occasionally there's a third one which is called fright or freeze, but most time it's fight or flight. 
You're carrying these burdens and it's so heavy and you're like, you know what, I'm going to fight through it. I'm going to get through it. It doesn't matter. Keep bringing, keep bringing it, right? I can carry whatever life throws at me. And some of you live like that, right? You're like, I'm going to fight through it. I'm going to get through it. I know it stinks. I know it's awful. I hate it, but I'm going to fight. And then some of you are, are, are your flight. You're like, I can't do it. It's too heavy. I quit. I quit God. I quit church. I quit my marriage. I quit. I quit. I quit. I can't do it. And the world tells us we will either fight or we will flight. And, and you will know through the, your, the course of your life, as you look back on your life, will, have you fought or have you flight, f- took flight? Right? You know that. I don't know that. But each of us, have to, we either fight or we flight, right? And James says, listen, there's another one. There's another F word that we can add to this that no one talks about because it's not from the world. He says, I know that you're going through tough times. And he goes, and who he's writing to, he's like, I know some of you want to fight. You want to fight back on those people who are persecuting you. You want to fight back on those people who earlier in chapter 5 are mistreating you because they're rich and they're not, they're treating you like just garbage. And he goes, and I know also there's some of you who are, who are thinking about taking flight. You're thinking about giving up on God, giving up on Jesus. And maybe right now some of you are, you're either fighting or you're, or you're flighting. And James goes, listen, there's a better way. It's actually the way that a Christian is supposed to live. You can have faith. You can have patience. And so he's writing to these Christians who, man, they live in a hostile world. We think we're persecuted because of our maybe political stance or being Christians here. We have no idea what they're going through. We can't even, the persecution we face in America is nothing compared to what they, they faced. They were literally being hunted down and killed for their faith. They had to scatter out. They had to leave everything they've known because of their faith in Jesus. They live in a hostile world, a hostile world towards them. And James is like, listen, I know you want to fight. You know, some of you want to take flight. There's a better way. Have faith. Be patient. And then he gives us this illustration, and it's like one of the few times in illustration that we completely understand, because especially around here. Now, if, you look, if you're from a city, you may not understand this, but he gives the illustration of a farmer, right? Most of us we can, can relate to a farmer. We know a farmer. We live around farms. I can relate to this. I worked on farms for many years growing up. I, I lived in a town that's surrounded by farmers, right? So we get this. And he says, listen, if you want to know how to do this or kind of what this looks like, he goes, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. He's like, if you want to know how to do this, he's like, look at the farmer. He's like, just look at the farmer. They, they, they plant and then they wait. And he's like, yes, there's other things involved as, as they got to prepare the fields. They got to put the seed in the ground. They got to, you know, weed the fields. They got to, you know, make sure everything's all right. But may, mostly he's saying, listen, they have to plant and they have to wait. In between, there's nothing they can do. They plant and they wait, right? They're going to prepare the farms. They're going to act like the harvest is coming, but they can't do anything besides really wait. He's like, listen, they have to patiently wait. What are they patiently waiting for? Something that's out of their hands. They're waiting for the rains of autumn and spring, right? Without rain, crops aren't growing. They're waiting for the rain, right? There's nothing really they can do. They can't do a little dance. They can't, they can't do anything. All they can do is wait and hope it rains. And it's not like you plant one day and next day you have the harvest. And you can't rush the harvest. It's time to harvest when it's time to harvest. And so James is like, listen, 
You gotta wait, because all they do is wait. So here's what he's telling us to do. He's like, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your waiting season, he goes, I want you to do something. I want you to think like a farmer. I want you to think like a farmer. I want you to think like a farmer who plants and waits. Now, if you're a farmer in here, I know you do more than that, but it's just the illustration here. Don't get mad at me, right? But they plant and they wait. And why do they wait? Well, they know because if they wait and they endure, the harvest is worth the waiting. But mainly, they plant and they wait. So James is like, think like a farmer. You're going through something. It's difficult. But you've got to be patient. You've got to wait. Because there's really nothing you can do to get yourself out of this anyways. So wait. Another illustration to think of, is, I've heard before, is of an oyster. Right? What's the worst thing that can happen to an oyster? Do you know? I didn't know until recently. Is The worst thing for an oyster is to get a piece of grain in its shell. And when that little um, piece of sand, of gr- a grain of sand in its shell, and when that grain of sand is in its shell, you know what it will do? It will fight and fight and fight and fight and fight like crazy to push that grain of sand out, right? So in your life, the grain of sand is the struggle, is the storm, is the time of waiting. And what are you doing? You're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting to get rid of it. Well, eventually what will happen in this oyster, every once in a while, a lot of times you can get the sand out. But eventually there'll become a point where a grain of sand, they can no longer get it out. And they fight and they fight and they're fight and they're irritated, they're upset and they're annoyed. But they fight and they push and they push and they push and they push. And nothing changes. They can't get it out. That, that grain of sand isn't going anywhere, just like your struggle isn't going anywhere, it, like your waiting isn't going anywhere. You fight, you fight, you fight, but it's not going anywhere. So they have, a, at that point, this oyster has a, a decision to make. It's like, I can't get rid of it, so I got to embrace it. All right? I can't, I can't get rid of it, so let me embrace it. So what they start to do is they start to coat that grain of sand over and over and over again. I'm not real scientific, scientific here, but with a liquid. I don't know what it's called, but with a liquid. And they do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and over and over and over and over again. And what eventually happens? It makes a pearl. And some of us pay big money for this pearl. But a pearl is actually the fruit of a frustrated oyster. Think about that. But without the irritation, without the frustration, without the patience, there would be no pearl. James tells us in chapter 1 that through these trials, there will be a pearl. God is going to do something through them. It may not be what you want. It's not the you know, prosperity gospel. God's going to do something through these trials. He's going to do something. Something's going to happen. God can use this. That's the pearl. And what happens is we hear that and we say, you know what? There's a pearl coming. I want the pearl now. I want it now. I don't want it later. I, I want it now, right? And he, you know, James tells us to be patient and think like a farmer. We're the most impatient culture of all time, right? We want everything quickly. Like we have air fryers. Every year it's like we come up with a new way to make food quicker, right? I don't know if it works, right? But we're like we've got air fryers and microwaves and then you got toaster ovens and deep fryers. We got all these ideas, right? And then we stand and we, you know, put the food in the microwave and we get mad it takes too long to heat up, right? You know, we got Wi-Fi. It takes too long, you know, to connect. Like we get, we're the most impatient culture of all time. Some of you are thinking right now like, hey, when is he going to be done? Right? When, I'm so impatient. When's he going to be done? Remember I told you the only way to grow in patience is to be put in situations that require patience. So I'm not even halfway done yet. We're getting through there though, right? All right? But, so we got this pearl and we're like, God, give me this pearl. Give me this pearl. Give me this pearl. 
And, and we want the destination. And we want the pearl. We just don't want the process. And James is saying, listen, you can't get the pearl without the process. If you read scripture, and this is like so many people leave during this time of waiting for the pearl, but they don't actually know scripture. God never promises the pearl right away. Read the Old Testament. We got Noah. He had to build a boat before there was even any water, right? Come on, who, who does that? You got David. David comes on the scene. He kills Goliath, and this old man comes to him and says, listen, one day you're going to be king. But he doesn't just become king right away. It's not lying king, right? He, he has to wait. He has to wait. And it's 15 years of waiting, 15 years of running, 15 years running from King Saul, 15 years hiding in the cave, 15 years of grains of sand in his life before he eventually becomes king. There's Moses. And Moses, everybody loves Moses. He, he kills a man. And he runs to the wilderness. And he waits and he waits and waits and waits and waits. And eventually he sees God speaks to him. And he, and he frees, the, you know, with God's help, he frees the Israelites. They go into the wilderness. They complain, they complain, they complain. Another 40 years of waiting, right? And eventually before Moses, you know, even gets to the promised land, what happens to Moses? He dies. We want the process. We want the destination, but we just don't want the process. And James is like, listen. You don't, get the, you don't get the pearl without the process. And you may not like the process. It may not make sense to you. And, and, and he's like, I'm not minimizing it. But you got to live like a farmer. You know what? Farmers are so awesome. Is they plant their seed in the ground. They wait for rain. But they're expecting that, expectant that a harvest is going to happen. So he's already saying, he says, be patient. And live with expectancy that God is going to work in your life. Expect, God, expect God to move in some way or another. Expect God to do something in your life. In the meantime, be patient. So he says this in verse 8. He goes, you too, be patient and stand firm. So what I love about James, he doesn't just say be patient. He gives us the how and he gives us the why. So here's, here's the how to be patient. It doesn't seem like much, but he says decide in your heart to stand firm. Some of your translations basically say decide in your heart. Like establish it in your heart so that you're going to stand firm. So like ESV says that, the King James Version says that. But the NIV it says stand firm. And, and it's like decide in your heart beforehand that no matter what happens in your life, you're going to stand firm. And when this trial comes, I'm going to stand firm. That when, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I can't carry this burden anymore, when it's too much for me, I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit to get me through. I'm going to pray, give me patience, give me strength, give me the power to get through this. And what I call this is, I call this the term active waiting. Active waiting. It's not throwing your hands up and saying, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm just going to, I give up. It's not giving up. It's not saying, you know what, God, I, I'm just going to stay here and do nothing until you move. It's not that. It's this idea that even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the season, even in the midst of, I don't like what's going on, I'm going to live out my faith. I'm going to have godly wisdom when I make decisions. I'm going to love people around me. I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to live out my faith each and every day. I'm not going to be shake, shaken by this, this event that's happening in my life that I don't like. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to make the most of a situation even though I can't control the situation. That's what active waiting is. And that's what standing firm means. And it's almost this idea of being stubborn. Say, I don't care what you throw at me, life. I don't care what you throw at me, Satan. I am not getting off of my position that I'm going to trust God to work. That I'm trusting God's going to make a pearl in the middle of all this mess that I don't even understand. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to be so stubborn. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm not, I'm not coming off this position. And, and when I think about this, I, I think about my life um, Thinking about this, me and my brother, Brendan. Uh, Brendan, you, many of you know, we're six years apart. And we love each other, but we argue all the time. 
And uh, so we've been accused, it's like being like with dumb and dumber when we're together because we will argue about everything, right? He's on one side, I'm on the other side. And we will argue, I kid you not, we will argue about anything. Sometimes we just call each other to argue about something we didn't even know we were going to argue about. But we argue about sports. We argue about, you know, sometimes Bible stuff. We argue about the color of the sky. We argue about anything. And we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we're both so stubborn. But at some point in the argument, one of us realizes the other's right. You know what we do at that point? We don't tell them. We just keep arguing. Because we're so stubborn. And, I, and when I imagine what James is saying, like, be that stubborn. Like some of you are so stubborn that you continue to cheer for the Cincinnati Bengals even though they're never going to win a Super Bowl. He's like, but you're not going to be so stubborn that when a, a, a trial comes that you're going to give up on your faith? He's like, come on. He's like, so many people, they're, they're just... When that trial comes and that storm comes, they're gone. James is like, don't be blown back by, by the winds of life. You know, don't be tossed back and forth. He goes, stand firm. Have some grit. Stand firm. Establish your heart and anchor your faith in the midst of waiting. He goes, how do you be patient? Have some grit. It's going to take some grit. It's going to take some toughness to get through what you're going through. Life takes grit. You need grit to get through life. You gotta stand firm. You gotta decide in your heart. No one can decide for you. Grandpa can't, your grandma can't, your parents can't. You have to decide. Are you gonna stand firm and anchor your faith in the midst of waiting? An anchor, man, it, it anchors a ship during the middle of a storm and it's not going anywhere. He's like, anchor your faith to Christ. And he goes, and then it's like, why? Well, he, he continues. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Why, why, why are we patient? And he says, we're patient because of this. Jesus is coming soon. That's why, that's why we're patient. That's why it's worth it. And, and he, he, listen, he doesn't give an eschatological chart. He doesn't give an end times theory. So many times, I don't know what's up with Christians, but they want to predict and they, wanna, they want numbers and they want to like make a chart and they want to like try to predict. And they want, hey, what's it going to look like? We don't know when it's happening. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. And James like, I'm not concerned with all that. He goes, keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is this. You're struggling. The world is sinful, but don't lose hope because Jesus is coming back someday. And that's what he's saying. He's like, the reason you can be patient and keep your focus uh, not on your circumstances is because of Jesus. So be patient and keep your focus not on the circumstance that you're in, but the return of Jesus. He's coming back. And, and he's like, when's he coming back? We don't know. In James's time and Paul's time, they thought it was right now. They thought it was then. They, thought, they never thought we'd make it to 2021. Some of us think it's going to be tomorrow. Some people thought it was going to be 1985. It might be 2,000 years from now. It might be two hours from now. It might be today. It might be in five seconds from now. We don't know. But we don't live by you know, sight. We live by faith. And we're going to keep our, our focus on that Jesus is going to come back someday. What this all means is that suffering and sin and pain and burdens, they don't win. So God says, hold on. Everything's going to be all right. Whether you see Christ face to face before he returns, or maybe he returns in your lifetime. But if you keep your faith, if you stand firm, and you're patient, the promise is one day. Whether Jesus returns, which we don't know it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, or at the end of your life, whenever that happens, we don't know. We talked about that last week. Jesus wins. The promise is that one day, you'll be standing face to face with the Savior of the world.
So stand firm. Because Jesus is coming back. And all we know is this, is it, it's closer today than it was yesterday. And we don't know when it's going to be, but we have faith that it's going to happen. And we're going to stand firm. Because Jesus is coming back. It, it's a statement that James is making about how Jesus is going to make everything all right. He's going to make it all right. And then he kind of talks in verse 9. He's like, and we're going to kind of skip it for the sake of the day and sake of time. He's like, don't grumble with one another because when you start getting impatient, what do you usually do? You start fighting with people around you, right? And he's like, don't do that because when you fight with one another and you judge one another, it makes you lose your testimony. Don't let this, this, this storm, don't let this time of suffering make you lose your testimony by arguing with one another. That doesn't get you anywhere, right? And then he kind of goes back to this. And he's like, if you, if you need help in all of this, because we do, it's hard. He goes, he goes, go back, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets. So he goes like, think back to the prophets, right? And who spoke in the name of the Lord. He's like, go back to the prophets in the Old Testament and like, just read about them. Read about Isaiah, who God basically said, hey, Isaiah, you're going to go preach all these things and no one's going to listen. That's your promise. He goes, but be faithful, be faithful. Ezekiel, man, you're going to have to do some crazy things. People are going to mock you. Be faithful. Hosea, man, you're going to have to marry a girl named Gomer, of all names. And she's going to cheat on you. And you're going to go get her back. And it's going to be a representation of how Israel and my relationship has been. He's like, so think of these prophets. And there's so many prophets. And, and just how they were persecuted. And they didn't see the fruit of their work at all, for mo the most part. But we count them as blessed because they persevered. He's saying, we count them as blessed because they got to ultimately be face to face with God. They did God's work. And he goes, then you've heard of Job, and that's not Job, it's Job, right? Job's perseverance. The whole book of Job's in the Old Testament basically is summed up in this. Job lost everything, right? Everything. Lost his kids. His wife was not very good. His friends were awful friends. He lost everything. And, and Satan allowed, you know, it all happened. And Satan was testing him and testing him. And through it all, what did Job do? He established in his heart that he's not going to lo lose his faith. He stood firm and he was faithful to God. What's it say? And God did something in him. God blessed him. And the Lord was full of mercy and compassion towards him. He was vindicated. Because he waited. And he, because he was waiting, he kept his faith, he was patient. The Lord had compassion and mercy on him. We'll be vindicated for keeping our faith in God through the trials and the suffering of life. That's, the, that's what James is saying. And he's not saying it's easy. He's not saying it's difficult, but he's saying it's possible. So think like a farmer. Look at the prophet. Stand firm. Be stubborn. Don't be tossed back and forth. And ultimately, why we can do this is because Jesus is coming back. And that's what I want to end with. I don't know what you're going through, what you've been through, what season you're in. But I've been, and my life has been very, very unique. Most of my toughest struggles were in my life before I was 25. Right? Since 25, it's been a lot easier. So that means struggles are coming eventually, right? But I had these great seasons uh, of struggles and, and time of, of heartbreak. And, and I, I really believe many of these struggles were more than other people go through their entire life. By the time 25, 18 to 25, right? And this has helped me. This is what helped me through these. And I want to share that with you. Remember you have a Savior who understands. In your season of pain and struggling and waiting, you have a Savior who understands.
what I've seen in, in life, in my, my own experience, and, and working with people and talking with other people, is that many people quit too soon. They quit on their marriage too soon. They quit on their kids too soon. They quit on their faith too soon. They quit on their church too soon. They quit on God too soon. That if they would just persevere, they would just stand firm, if they would just have some patience, that they're going to see that pearl. And they're going to be able to look back and say, you know what, man? I didn't understand that. That really hurt. But I see what God was doing there. I see what he was doing there. And if they persevere, they'll see God's compassion and God's mercy. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Man, I often go back to the book of Hebrews, one of my favorite verses. And it says this in Hebrews 4, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. So they're talking about Jesus. We don't have a, we don't have, Jesus is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who, who in every respect has been tempted as we are without sin. We don't go to Jesus and say, you know what? I don't understand that. I don't understand you. No, I'm too good for you. No, we go to Jesus and Jesus says this. I understand. That pain you're feeling? Yeah, I've been there. That betrayal that someone, you feel betrayed by someone? He's like, yeah, I felt that too. He's like, oh, the temptation. He's like, yeah, man, that's tough. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. You know, it's awesome about Jesus, though. He understands. And he's patient. That means he's patient with you and he's patient with me. He's like a farmer who just keeps pulling weeds. He's like, I'm not giving up. He doesn't say, oh, they're too far gone. It's been too long. He doesn't give up. He understands. And just like you and I, Jesus carried burdens. He carried loads. He carried a couple loads. Physically, he carried the load of the cross. Beaten and broken, he carried that Roman cross. Carried up to the hill, Mount Side. And on that cross, he carried, as he was nailed to it, he carried the burden of sin for you and me, for all mankind. Not because he had to, but because he loved you. So when Jesus says, I understand the burdens that you carry, he means it. And he went on the cross and he died for you and I. So when we come to him, he says, listen, I understand. I'm not, a, I'm not the Savior who just, uh, that doesn't understand. No, I understand what you're going through. I understand. Another verse says that Jesus says, come all to me who are you know, weak and weary, and, and I'll, you know, I'll take my yoke, it's light, and like, take my load, it's light. Jesus, I understand. So I'm just going to call you to be, to be patient and to stand firm in the middle of your, your trial. I'm, I'm going to carry this load with you. I can't take it all away right now because this, God's trying to do something through this. But, but I'm going to be there right with you. I'm going to weaken that load a little bit. We're going to get through this together. I understand. I'm going to be there with you the entire time. So what he's saying is stay, stay patient, stand firm, and trust God in the process of it all. What's it look like? We don't know. But stay patient, stand firm. And trust God in the process of it all. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that Jesus understands us. That we have a Savior who can sympathize and empathize with us. Because he's been where we are. He, he, he had the, the sin of the world on his shoulders. And he went to the cross for, for each of us. Not because he had to, but because he loved us, Father. So today, I just want to pray for those in the midst of a season of waiting, a season of struggle, God. We don't know what they're going through, but you know their stories. You know their hearts, Father. And I pray that your spirit fills them and gives them the, the strength to stand firm in the midst of the pain and the burden and the load and the waiting, God. So we thank you that you will never leave us in the midst of waiting. 
God, I also want to pray if there's anyone here today who needs to make a decision, that needs prayer of any type, God, that they meet us in the back of the, this room, we would love to pray for them. God, we love you so much. To your name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.